Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so with that, we're going to jump into our message for today. We're going to be concluding our July series on James here today. And the fifth week of July, we're going to be nailing this. Well, today, it's going to be a really great day. Um, so if you don't have your Bible yet, go ahead and grab your Bible or your Bible app, the COH app. We have sermon notes in there. Make sure you grab all of that. Now, we've been talking about James all across July and explaining a little bit of who he was. James is a unique book. It was written by... James, haha, there it is. Um, it was written by James himself, and James was actually the little brother of Jesus. The Jesus we believe, um, all, all just uh, classic Christianity believes that um, his mother Mary conceived him when she was a virgin, she gave birth, but Mary was still married to Joseph, and Mary and Joseph had children together after they had Jesus. James is one of them. James is the little brother of Jesus. Now, this isn't just like a family business where Jesus started a religious movement and put his family in charge of it. We know from the Gospels that his family were actually opposing him early on in his ministry. Particularly, his siblings were not early adopters. They thought he was crazy. Just like you would think your older sibling is crazy if they set up, they showed up and said, I am the son of God. And we're like, you are crazy. That's what would... That's what would happen. But how did what changed James's mind? We know what changed James's mind about his brother Jesus was when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And if anybody calls their shot saying, in three days, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead, and then they pull it off, I think you should probably listen to them. And James did. And so he became a follower of his older brother, who was more than his older brother. His older brother was God in human flesh, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. And so he became uh, put his faith in him, which is a wonderful testimony for anybody who's navigating faith. Maybe you're exploring the claims of the Christian faith. Um, we talked about experiencing the love of God. Some people have an experience barrier. Some people have intellectual barriers where it needs to make sense in your mind first. James is somebody who you should look to. In fact, there's evidence of James's life outside of the Bible, outside of religious texts, um, outside of Christianity, uh, James's life has been recorded in human history. I want to show you a bust of somebody. This is of an ancient historian. This is not James. This is a man named Flavius Josephus. What a, what an awesome first name. What's your name? Flavius. I like that. Flavius Josephus, he was born around 37 AD and he lived to 100 AD. So Jesus had already been crucified, died, and was resurrected from the dead by the time Josephus was born. But Josephus was alive for the explosion of the Jesus movement across the Roman Empire. And Josephus was an ancient Roman historian. He was a Jewish man and the Jewish community considered him a traitor because he worked for Rome as a historian. Did not believe in Jesus, did not have faith in Jesus, was not a Christian, but wrote about the ancient world right in this period. In his writings, I read it this week, it's called The Antiquities of the Jews. He was writing about the Jewish community and Israelite history. He wrote about James the brother of Jesus who is called the Christ. And he records how James died. In fact, James died according to Josephus where the Jewish religious leaders gathered around James and they stoned him to death 
for believing that his older brother was the son of God. Wow. Think with me for a minute. People sometimes lie. Did you know that? People sometimes lie. And um, people sometimes lie. And most of the time, people lie to get out of trouble. Like if you're a parent and you have children, you know this. (laughs) Uh, People lie to get out of trouble. No one lies to get into trouble. Right? Why would James... Why would James lie about his brother being the son of God while people are standing with stones in their hands saying, recant or we're going to kill you? If I were lying about my older brother and they everybody had stones, the first time somebody picked up a big rock, but ooh, that looks like it's going to hurt. Just kidding. <laughs> and, but James instead said, throw all the rocks you can find. I cannot deny what I know. He's the son of God. He's risen from the dead and he's the real king, not Caesar. And he was killed. That makes me put a lot of confidence not only in the claims of James and what he has to say, but also his faith and belief in that Jesus is the Son of God. There's so much evidence to examine there for belief and faith in Jesus. And so here we are. We're in the fifth week of James. We're in the fifth chapter of James. We'll be doing a chapter every week. And we're concluding today with the final chapter. So if you have your Bible, we're going to jump in on chapter 5 at verse 13. So go ahead and grab that now. And uh, we have a tradition here at our church. We've been practicing for almost a year now where we're going to invite everybody to stand for the honor of reading of God's word. And we believe here that when we read the Bible, that the Bible actually reads us. And so um, this is why we stand. We're reading it, but we're letting it examine us in our lives. So James chapter 5 verse 13. This is what Uh, Jesus' little brother has to say. Is anyone among you in trouble? Then let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders, elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And you think it's hot now. (laughs) Whoo! And he prayed, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Wow. This is the word of God for the people of God. And everybody said? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Uh, So, Lord Jesus, would you send afresh the Holy Spirit upon us now, who's already dwelling in our midst, to teach us how to pray? and how to talk with you. And uh, use the words of your little brother to instruct us and search us and challenge us and grow us and Lord, even heal us. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I think it's really ironic, guys, how um, James chooses to conclude his letter. So this is the climax of the entire book of James. And um, I think, like I said, it's ironic how he chose to do this. So much of James is about 
action. James is an action-oriented book, and he just makes so clear of put your money where your mouth is. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Um, Your faith is authenticated by your good deeds. Your good deeds don't save you, but by your good deeds, it shows that you are saved. His whole thing is do something with your faith in Jesus. Don't just say you love Jesus. Do something about it. And so the whole book is do, 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 which is a really great and powerful message. And at the crescendo of the whole book, he says, if you're going to do anything, pray. Which to me is kind of challenging because so many of us think prayer is passive. What do you mean? Like just sit there and pray? That's more powerful than like serving the poor or caring for my neighbor? What do you mean? No, I'm going to go do the stuff. And James is like, no, this is the stuff. Pray. It's not passive like you think it is. In fact, it might be the most powerful thing that you engage with if you want to put action to your faith. James is so clear that prayer can change the world. At the end, when we read about Elijah and the, he prayed that there, that he prayed that there would be no rain. It created this drought. That it was a national crisis for Israel. And then he encouraged them to pray again. And by Elijah, who he said was a human being, just like me and you was solving national crises by the power of his prayer. And James says, you can do that too. Pray, pray, wow. So if James has one thing to say to all of us, just one thing at all, he's talking about the power of prayer. In fact, Oswald Chambers, the great devotional master who wrote um, My Utmost for His Highest, he once said this, prayer does not fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. And so James is not off tone here. He's challenging us of the importance of prayer in the life of somebody who wants to put action to their faith. So if James is saying one thing for the rest of today, you can write this one thing down and you get the whole message. James is trying to tell people have confidence in the power of prayer. These six verses are built on the rhetorical structure of a cause and effect relationship. Prayer makes things happen. And he says it over and over and over and over and over again. If you understand the cause and effect relationship to prayer in changing circumstances, you have more confidence to pray. If you have more confidence in the power of prayer, you will pray more. And the more you pray, the more you will change the world for yourself, for others, for the greater communities that we all are part of. Have confidence in the power of prayer. Let's re-examine some of these claims here just quickly. So go to verse 13. We're just going to kind of fly through some of this. James 5, 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Well, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise, which when we sing songs, that's really just prayer to music. That's all it is. Get that? So he's saying, if, are you in trouble? You should pray. Are you happy? You should pray. Did your dog eat your homework? You should pray. When you go to McDonald's and you get a Big Mac and you reach into your bag and there are three French fries surprisingly at the end of the bag that you get to eat when you thought you were out of all of them, you should pray and thank God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, let's go. Man, I love the bottom French fries. Thank God for those. He said, prayer makes anything better. And whatever situation, you're in a good situation, a bad situation, you should pray. It makes all of it better. Just pray, 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 pray. And then he goes on to verse 14. And he says here, in fact, speaking of different situations, is anyone among you sick? Well, 
then they should pray too. Let them call the elders, which is just the leadership of the church, to pray over them and anoint them with oil, which is just a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not magic. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Would you read this? You go, okay, I was all good when prayer sounded like therapy. Like if I'm in trouble, I pray, it'll help me feel better. If I'm happy, it'll increase my happiness. Great, I'm good with prayer as therapy. This sounds like crazy talk. Like if I'm sick, I should pray and I might get better just because of that. And it does sound crazy and it is crazy until you've seen it. And when you've seen this, it's still crazy, but it's true. The very first time I saw this for myself, a first-hand encounter of this, um, I was involved at a campus ministry at Florida State um, University, Go Seminoles. And um, God sent me to Florida State because we need Jesus really bad in Tallahassee. (laughs) And uh, we were part of a thriving campus ministry where we were just reaching droves of college students who thought they were coming to Tallahassee to party and instead fell in love with Jesus and his community. It was amazing. And... um, uh, we uh, met this one guy named Chris. Now, Chris was a total broski, right? He was a little bit of a surfer dude. He was handsome. All the guys wanted to be his friend, and all the girls wanted to be his girlfriend. He started coming to the campus ministry because of our sports ministry. We had the biggest and most awesome intramural ministry, um, intramural program at Florida State. We won everything in Jesus' name. Bunch of losers. Anyway, and... Um, and so he, became, he just started coming because of all that and then fell in love with Jesus and played electric guitar in Leah's praise band. And man, it was just awesome. And Chris eventually stepped into leadership and then became an intern in our ministry. And God was just doing amazing things in his life. He's such a cool guy. And uh, one day while Chris was an intern with us, he got really sick. And he somehow contracted at the same exact time mono and strep throat. Ooh, it's like, Chris, quit licking doorknobs. Ew, what are you doing, bro? And so some of us decided, man, let's go to Chris's house. He's super sick. Let's bring him dinner. Let's bring him a bunch of Dayquil and NyQuil and bring a bunch of medicine to love on him. And we're also naive enough to try this. I'm like, well, let's just see what happens. And so we get there, we bring him food, we bring him medicine, go, hey, can we pray for you before we go? He said, sure, and if you're new to faith and Jesus and prayer and all this stuff, laying on of hands just means I'm going to put my hand on somebody else's shoulder, maybe hold somebody's hand, and there's something God does that's symbolically powerful when you touch another person like that, like we're linked together and praying God's spirit flows into you. It's just a powerful symbol. And so we put our hands on his shoulder and held his hands or whatever else while he's laying on his couch just totally wiped out, and we prayed that God would heal him. And as I had my eyes closed, I felt something not physically, just in my heart, like, boom! And I opened my eyes and went, whoa, what was that? And ironically, at the same exact time, Chris opened his eyes and went, and he had the same look on his face. We didn't say anything, but our eyes locked with each other and go, what was that? Did you feel that? Did you feel that? I think you felt that. I think you felt that too. We didn't say anything, but we both knew, like, what just happened. And that was it. There was nothing dramatic. He kept laying on the couch. We said, Amen. Love you, dude. See you later. Hope you get better. Quit licking doorknobs, you know. (laughs) And we left. And as the story has it, as soon as all of us left his apartment, Chris is laying on the couch. Door closes. He looks at his roommate and goes, bro, I think I just got healed. (laughs) 
And he was at church the next day, ride his reign. And told me all about this. Yeah, praise God. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain that. All I know is that you don't instantaneously walk off mono and strep throat. And to be honest, I've seen that happen a lot since. Some of it's instant, some of it's more gradual. I've seen it, various things. You can't tell me it doesn't happen. I can't fully explain it. I know it happens. Now, at the same exact time, I have seen God heal people a lot. And I've also seen it not happen a lot. And so if you're wondering about that, don't worry. Trust me, I'm going there, okay? But I've seen it. I can't deny it. And so James goes on in verse 16. He talks a little bit more about that. 16, there we go. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous person. It's powerful and effective. There it is, a cause and effect relationship. The prayer makes things happen. So James is trying to say to everybody, again, have confidence in the power of prayer. It changes things. It changes worlds. It changes circumstances. It changes lives. Have confidence, and you can do it too in Jesus' name. Have confidence in the power of prayer. The end. Everybody go home. It's not that simple, is it? No. Um, All of that's 100% true. And I know from my own life, personally, as a follower of Jesus, and as a pastor, that life often, next slide, guys, life will often challenge our confidence in the power of prayer. Life challenges this. Uh, there's a movie I saw many, many years ago called Cinderella Man. It's a great Russell Crowe movie. And um, I thought it should have won Best Picture that year, but whatever. Hollywood doesn't know anything, so whatever. Um, it's a joke. I'm just. Anyway, um, so there's a great movie. It's about a famous boxer in the 1920s um, during the Great Depression who was just struggling. He was having a hard time making money, as everyone was. He was having, really struggling to provide for his family. His kids barely had enough food. They were on the brink of starvation. He got hurt. They turned off the utilities in his house. And then uh, and he, as he's trying to eat the little piece of food he was able to bring home with he and his wife after the kids are in bed, they go to hold hands and pray. And he hears one of his children cough. And oh no, now one of them is sick. And it just, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And that movie is so much about how life is a full contact sport and um, life can just beat the hope out of you. You ever felt like life has beat the hope out of you before? And as they go to pray, he hears his child cough and he just can't do it. And he lets go of her hands, goes, I, I'm sorry, baby. I'm all prayed out. Have you ever felt that way before? That you're just all prayed out? And if you have ever felt that way before, maybe you're feeling that way right now. I want to talk to you today. And in Jesus' name, I want to help heal your hope. And Jesus has a word for you today. So how does life challenge our confidence in prayer? Well, it really happens through two things. First, it happens through seemingly unanswered prayer. We say seemingly because... Sometimes an answered prayer, sometimes you're just waiting for it to be answered. Sometimes things happen, but not the way you want. Sometimes it just seems, seems like God didn't show up at all. 
but we're calling it seemingly unanswered prayer. And if you've ever experienced this as a normal part of the life of faith, the Bible is more honest about unanswered prayer than Christians are. In fact, in this book, in the book of Psalms, which is a book of prayers, almost half of them are what are called laments. You know, lament is basically this. God, where are you? What are you doing? I can't see you or find you, and you're not helping. So raw and honest. You're not going to hear that on Christian radio. Um, there's a whole book called Lamentations. That's all laments. Jesus himself dealt with unanswered prayer. Jesus went to his hometown to try to heal and do miracles. Jesus himself could not perform many miracles because of the atmosphere of faith of that community. Wrap your brain around that. Jesus couldn't do miracles. Himself had unanswered prayer. Even taken out of the miracle ends, if it was just a prayer for God to move in a specific way, before Jesus was crucified, there's a part of the Bible in John, the book of John called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he's praying to God the Father, and he's praying for all of us who become his followers all over the world. And he prayed this prayer, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. He's praying for unity. And if you go anywhere in the world today, Christians are still tragically divided. We're not one. And Jesus himself lives with this unanswered prayer in heaven right now. So one, if you're struggling with unanswered prayer, you're in good company because Jesus knows what that feels like. And if Jesus knows what it feels like to struggle with unanswered prayer, and right now, is living to pray for you. He's inviting you to learn how to pray once again. If you've ever had your heart broken in prayer, he can teach you the way back home. Does that make sense? Um, I personally have dealt with this. Um, obviously, uh, when I was at Florida State, same period of time, I'm riding high on faith, like anything is possible. We could pray and people get healed. Let's go. And another one of our interns was um, her parents were pastors, beloved, well-known pastors in, in Central Florida. And um, she was an intern on our team. And uh, on Wednesday, she got a call. Her mom was sick, came down with a cold. And on Thursday, she got worse. And on Friday, she got really sick. And on Saturday, they took her to the emergency room. She had gone septic like that. And so she rushed out to drive to Central Florida to be with her mom and her dad because it was really scary. And we all sounded the alarm for prayer. And I, I stayed up almost all night long praying for that woman. And I arrogantly typed on Facebook that morning, prayer works, post. as kind of my plant the flag in faith that God was going to heal her, only to find out that she died early in the morning. Young mom multiple kids, pastor's wife. Scary for me personally to think about. And she just out of nowhere died. Everyone deals with this. And it's not just around issues of healing. I have relationships. I'm praying to be restored and reconciled that I lost before I even came to Community of Hope. And it's not gotten any better. I have situations in my life I'm praying that God will change and they're just not. 
I wish they were different and they're just not. Having unanswered prayer is a part of living the the life of faith and there's nothing wrong with you if you are living with this. Every master of prayer ever writes that this is a part of what it means to be a praying person. It's a normal struggle. Now here's the second part where this is challenging in and of itself, but when you add bad theology to seemingly unanswered prayer, it goes from difficult to poisonous for the human soul. Let me explain. Um, I'm a music fan, and I love, obviously, I love worship music and Christian music. That feeds my soul. I listen to that a lot, but I listen to a lot of non-Christian music too. Like, I am finally starting to like country music. I'm finally... It's only taken a decade, but I'm getting there, Loxahatchee, okay? Slowly but surely. Um, most of the music I listened to growing up, but I still listen to a lot now, I like heavy metal a lot, just like aggressive music. And Metallica is one of my all-time favorite bands. Yes, I love Metallica. And um, so here's a picture of the, the, um, the front man of Metallica. This is the one and only James Hetfield. Yeah! Okay, my Metallica friends know what I'm talking about. And so um, I, I, love, I love Metallica. And um, James Hetfield, if you know the story of, of him and his life, remember when they used to do behind the music on VH1 and all that stuff? Yeah, so this is on one of those. Um, James Hetfield, his family, their religion and the house that he grew up in was, um, it's called Christian Science. And, um, which is ironic because it's neither Christian nor scientific. Um, it's a cult. It's a, it's a cult that has the label of Christianity on it. There are certain tenets of the Christian faith that Catholic Christians, Protestant Christians, Orthodox Christians all agree in that these are the bounds of the Christian faith. And though we might have different expressions, this is the same faith. They are outside, way outside of those bounds. So they call themselves Christian, but it's not, okay? Um, and they primarily focus on faith healing. That's what it's all about. And he was a young man, um, he was in his teens, and when he was 16, his mom got sick. And on the basis of focusing on prayer and faith alone, rejected medical treatment, and she died when he was 16 years old. An unanswered, a seemingly unanswered prayer mixed with bad theology of who God is is poisonous to someone's faith. In fact, he wrote a song in their biggest album. It's called the, the Black Album. It has, you know, Enter Sandman and all that other stuff on it. There's a song in there called The God That Failed. And he wrote about how the healing hand of Jesus couldn't have healed his mom because it was held back by a pierced nail. The God That Failed. So James Hetfield is never going to see this. But just in case. (laughs) Thank you. I've never met you, but I love you and I love your music. And I'm glad you rejected that God. Because I don't believe in that God either. And the Jesus of classical Christianity is better than that. Has answers for your pain and your loss and can heal your broken heart and life. If you ever want to talk about it. Come to community folk. I don't know. <laughs> but those two things are lethal. See what I mean? Now there's two parts in James that if you don't read it the right way, it will become poison for your soul around prayer. 
But if you learn to read it the right way, it would actually grow your confidence in prayer. Let's go to James 5.15. So it says, And the prayer offered in faith, so if you're taking notes, underline that, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now this is a huge part. Now undeniably, undeniably, Jesus uh, explicitly teaches that faith has a major role to play in prayer. It's undeniable. But when people read this, they read it in a way to where they say they have to muster enough faith and confidence and push out any doubts, any questions, any whatsoever, that when I pray for somebody, when I pray for my sick friend or my sick family member, nobody even talk about that this isn't going to work. That's what faith means. And then if it doesn't go the way that they hoped, they're crushed. I'm not, I don't think that's what faith means. You have to muster this fake confidence. You can't even talk about what ifs. And that's not what Jesus is getting at there. That's not what James is getting at there. When Jesus says, you know how much faith it takes to move a mountain in prayer? Do you know how much it takes? Some of you are saying it. It takes a mustard seed amount of faith. Now, mustard seed is really tiny. A friend of mine, this is an old Bible of mine. A friend of mine gave me a mustard seed to tape on the inside cover of my Bible. Can you see it? Not many of you can, right? So I took a picture of it to enlarge it to put it on the screen. Can you still see it? (laughs) It's still tiny, super magnified. Jesus is saying, How much faith does it take to move a mountain in prayer? Just that much. And so if you've ever prayed for a sick friend and they didn't get well, you're like, I didn't have enough faith. It's one, it's way more complicated than that, okay? It's just way more complicated than that. And Jesus says it only takes that much. So if you've ever beaten yourself up for not having enough faith, let that go. That's a lie from the enemy and that's not from Jesus. Okay? And by the way, here's a little tip to grow your confidence in prayer. A little mustard seed amount of faith. This is what it means. My faith, when I pray now, I have faith in who God is and what God has done. And I believe that God loves me, that God is good, and he wants to help. Okay. And I don't know what God will do, but I have an idea of what I think he might do. And so that's my mustard seed faith. Like. God, I think you might do this, so I'm going to ask you to, and we're going to see what happens. And you know what? <laughs> My prayers have been moving more stuff lately. When I do, God maybe might could. That's Loxahatchee grammar right there. He might could. <laughs> um, God, I believe you might do this. So I'm asking, would you graciously please do it? And then watch what happens. That's one way. Here's the other way. James 5.15. The Lord will raise them up. This is huge. So the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now, on just a literal sense, what James is possibly saying is, yeah, they're sick. They're laying down. You pray for them. They're going to get up and get up off the couch. So he means that one sense. At the same exact time, guys, This word here is the same exact word used 70 plus times in the New Testament. It's talking about how God raised Jesus from the dead. 
It's the same word talking about what happens to somebody if they die in faith in Jesus. What happens? It's talking about the resurrection of the dead, what happened to Jesus and what he promises to all of his followers. This is huge. This is huge when you're talking about prayer. Because if you don't read this right and you pray and somebody dies, we often are crushed and we think it's game over. Let me illustrate this. Um, I was in Tampa this past weekend. Uh, Lee and I had a great kind of staycation, dropped the kids off the grandparents. It was amazing. And uh, we were driving through Tampa, and I saw a beautiful mural on one of the sides of the building, and I was like, oh, Leah, pull over the car. I have to take a picture right now. Don't get in an accident, but I have to take a picture right now. And I want to show you this picture of the mural that I, I had to take a picture by in Tampa. Look at that. <laughs> oh, TB12. Why'd you have to retire, man? So um, if you're not a football fan, this is the greatest of all time. Tom Brady painted on a mural in Tampa Bay. And so here's a closer-up picture of me and Tom, right? <laughs> Just so cool, so cool. And uh, I'm a football fan. NFL training camp is open now, and I'm going to really miss Tom Brady being on my team because we might lose a lot more. Um, But I'm going to really miss it because it was so awesome for three years of being a football fan where no matter the score, if there's still time left on that clock, you knew you had a chance because Tom Brady was on your team. It was a magical experience as a fan. It really was. It was so cool. And that's when my boy became a football fan. Oh, it was a magical time for all of that. It was so great. Um, And if there's time left on the clock, there was hope because of who was on our team. Now, go back to the verse. The Lord will raise them up. On this side of eternity, when we lose somebody, and our prayer goes seemingly unanswered. We can lose heart and go, it's over. But if we were listening to God, if we we're listening to Jesus, he would come up to us right in that moment and go, it's not game over. It's just halftime. And we sang about this earlier. Did you notice this? We said, and death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And so when somebody experiences healing on this side of eternity, friends, that's just the preview of the real thing to come when Jesus heals everybody in fullness in heaven. If you read this the right way, if you read this the wrong way, and you have a prayer going answer, it'll poison your soul. If you read it the right way, even in your toughest losses in life, you'll be able to wipe the tears from your face and still with grief have hope and look up to Jesus and high five him and go, it's just half time. So, what do you do with this? If you're new to faith and prayer, just try prayer. Go ahead, guys. Just try prayer. Just try it. If you've never prayed before beyond just saying grace for a meal, just try it and see what might happen. If you're already a Christ follower and you're praying, friends, try praying a little bit more. 
Try social media a little bit less. Try Netflix a little bit less. Try sleeping in a little bit less. Try TV a little bit less. And try a little bit of prayer more and watch what might happen to your world. And if you've ever had your heart broken by prayer, if you've ever had your heart broken by life, Jesus, the one who lives with unanswered prayer but lives to pray for you, is inviting you to come and try prayer again with him and to not give up. So here's how we're going to close our time. We're not going to sing a song. Um, Instead of me saying, now go pray, I'm going to give you a chance to pray right here, right now. I'm just quietly to yourselves. Nobody's going to put a microphone in your face. But we teach everybody this acronym, P-R-A-Y, to teach people how to pray. You first start with a pause. Then R stands for rejoice, which you say thank you for a few things. You move to A for ask, where you ask for a few things. And Y stands for yield, where you yield and open your heart to God. And so we're going to do that now. Put your pens down. Put your phones down. Put your Bibles down. Relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath. In fact, maybe if the the production team, we didn't plan this, but if we can maybe lower the lights a little bit, that might be good. I'm going to give you a chance to try prayer once again right now. So we're going to first pause. Take a deep breath. And we're just going to be still and wait on the presence of God for just a moment. Do that now. deep breath we're going to now move to R for rejoice I want you to say thank you to God for just one thing it could be a person it could be a thing it could maybe be something he's done in your life say thank you to God for one thing now another deep breath now we move to A for ask and I want you to ask God for one thing it could be for you it could be for someone you love it could be for someone on the other side of the world ask God to move and ask him what do you think he might do what God might do ask him boldly for that. Thank you, God. Alright, last one. Deep breath. And I like to pray with my body, so I put my hands up 
facing upward like this on my lap as a sign of surrender to God. This is where we why for yield. And this is where you can often um, ask God for forgiveness or sometimes we forgive others. Sometimes we surrender things to God. But right now in this moment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to God. I want you to ask yourself one question. If God were to say something to you right now, what do you think it would be? We're just going to listen for the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Yield to his voice. And what's God saying to you right now? Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Would you please stand? We're going to have prayer team down here in the front to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, because we talked about a lot to pray for today. And so um, we're going to prayer team kind of usher up here in the front and they'll be available for you down here in front if you want to pray about anything. But otherwise, would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? I'm just going to pray over you the theme verse of our church. And now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, go pray and we'll see you next weekend.